the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. We should not still be talking about a crewing crisis, but here you are, still getting outraged, and here I am, still producing podcasts more out of frustration than any sense that this is in any way going to be new news to you. Despite increasingly urgent industry interventions and support from the United Nations Secretary-General, the IMO, the ILO, and now even some divine intervention from the Pope himself, the shipping industry is struggling to break the bureaucratic logjam that has left tens of thousands of seafarers stranded at sea, with already extended employment contracts now expired and the threat of strikes now looming. This may be shipping's problem, but this is not a problem with shipping. Behind the scenes, major flag states, ship owner bodies, unions, officials, industry agencies, they've all been meeting privately to try and resolve the practical logistics of crew change and imminently expiring, if not already expired, employment contracts globally. But we're dealing with cock-up rather than conspiracy here. Problems are generally the mundanities of big government dealing with an unprecedented upheaval. The lack of testing kits for crew, a logjam of personal protective equipment for staff, seafarers in ports, shortages of people to process certification, slow interaction between departmental sign-offs where confusion over what is and isn't permitted is rife. Coordinating ship arrival with the few remaining flights and an aviation sector also in crisis is adding another layer of logistical complexity. None of this, of course, is going to surprise you, but it doesn't make it any less important. So this week, I'm focusing on the response from the front line of the problems. Euronav, one of the world's largest tanker operators, has been certainly one of the more vocal companies hitting out at the lethargic reaction by many governments around the world, failing to fix what is now fast becoming a humanitarian crisis. I'm delighted to say that this week I have Euronav Chief Executive Hugo de Stoop joining the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Hugo. Thank you very much, uh, Richard, for inviting me. I mean, this is, uh, this is an, uh, an issue that is very dear to our heart, so I'm very happy to uh, be able to talk about it. Well, absolutely. I mean, we, we have spoken on this podcast uh, about this topic uh, for, for several weeks, but I'm intrigued to get uh, a view from the front line almost. I mean, you uh, operate an enormous fleet of, of tankers and VLCCs. You uh, are, are dealing with this this bureaucratic logjam um, on, a, on a daily basis. Tell us what, what's happening. What are What is the frustration here? Why are you not able to do what you need to do in terms of crew change? I think the frustration uh, comes uh, first and foremost uh, from the fact that uh, throughout the crisis, some people have been able to travel around the world despite the lockdowns and the restrictions because they were labeled key workers. Uh, and we are still wondering why the shipping industry has not been able and why the politicians or the regulators or whoever is in charge has not been able uh, to uh, give that accreditation to uh, our industry because those people are key workers. They are key workers because they keep uh, the world trading uh, happening. I mean, 80% of all the goods are uh, at some point in time transported on a ship. And if you uh, uh, if you block this trade, then it's the world that will uh, stop. And it's as, as simple as that. Mm. And give, give us an idea of the, the, the scope of, of what this practically means for you. I mean, how many how many seafarers on Euronav ships are we are we dealing with here with expired contracts? Close to a thousand, 
So wow. it's uh, 970. Uh, every day it's more because every day you will have people uh, for which the, the, the contract is expiring. Um, this is not completely unusual because obviously we are doing a, a very long uh, voyage and so we cannot always accurately predict uh, on a contract when it will stop. But here we're coming to a point where uh, you know, they may spend twice as much the amount uh, of time that uh, the contract had foreseen. Um, so the the other thing which is mentally very, very difficult for those people is that uh, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. We're not able to tell them, well, upon completing this voyage in 30 days, in 35 days or whatever uh, it may be, you will be able to disembark because we have uh, people that will be able to replace you on board a ship. And mentally, that is extremely difficult. And the reason why we have becoming more and more vocal and many other people are becoming more and more vocal uh, is simply that there is a huge risk uh, in front of us. And that risk is what if there would be a second wave? Then mm. it would mean that people would be stuck on board for what a year, a year and a half. I mean, this is not an outlandish scenario to suggest that might happen. We already seen Beijing reignite some of the uh, lockdown measures that we uh, thought were had disappeared in China. Um, but in the meantime, everybody is now scrambling to try and make the moves they can within the restrictions that are still in place. Is it clear to you as an operator what you can and can't do on an international basis? Or are we still dealing with a very fragmented uh, series of measures that are being interpreted, you know, a little bit um, sporadically, should we say? It's, it's, it's completely sporadic. I mean, this is a maze. Uh, the, the, the problem is that for every nationality, there are different uh, restrictions because uh, let's say that uh, on a ship you would have 25 people. On average at Euronav, we have around eight nationalities out of those 25 people. Um, each of those guys need to return home, uh, which will be uh, obviously uh, eight different countries. And depending on where the ship uh, is calling, uh, that land uh, or that country will have uh, different regulations. So, for instance, in Europe today, Schengen area is, let's say, open. So if you are uh, holding, holding a European passport, you can disembark in Europe and go to any country in Europe. But if you're a Filipino working uh, on a Euronav ship and the ship is calling in, in Rotterdam or in La Havre, I mean, wherever that is uh, in, in Europe, you're unable to disembark and you will be stuck and you will have to go uh, on the next voyage, which will take another 40, 50 or 60 days. Mm. Which, I mean, quite apart from the uh, the practicalities of, of you know, how you actually operate a ship at, at a human level, the uncertainty within your crew must be reaching crisis point. I mean, what's the general feeling amongst the uh, the people on the ships right now? Well, we are vertically integrated, which means that uh, we know our crew. Uh, these are people from Euronav and, 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 you know, we like to have a sort of family spirit on board the ships. So we've been uh, communicating uh, towards the ship uh, through the captain, but also directly to the crews uh, on, uh, on a weekly basis as a minimum. And whenever there is an update uh, that we can share with them, um, the crew operator, which are people who are uh, on, on shore dealing with the travels of, uh, of the crew have been extraordinary people because uh, quite frankly, whenever there was an exception, even if we had to deviate a, a ship, uh, we would do that and we would find those little pockets of opportunities where we can change the crew. So I think that on board the ships of Euronav, people are really feeling that Euronav is doing a lot and, and, and goes 
way beyond what other people are doing. But we're not here to uh, praise ourselves because whatever we've been able to do is nearly not enough. Um, quite frankly, since the beginning of the crisis, we've been able to rotate uh, 200 people uh, mm -hmm. and we have more than 900 who are stuck on board the vessels. And this is increasing. So uh, at this rate, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a few months, uh, we will have nearly half of, uh, of the crew which, be, which would be overdue on their contract. But I mean, uh, not to put it uh, too bluntly, but family uh, ethos aside, the risk of strike amongst crew that are now reaching desperation point must be presumably quite high. We've seen the ITF uh, respond this week and say that they will be supporting crew who want to leave. Are you concerned about uh, what happens if uh, industrial action now takes over? We're always concerned uh, about the mental health of our people. As far as uh, uh, the industrial actions such as strike is concerned, um, I'm not sure it's the right solution, to be honest. Um, I think that uh, we need to continue to uh, work very uh, professionally. We need to continue to support our crew. We need to continue to uh, communicate towards them that there are uh, uh, options, there are um, availabilities or, or opportunities to, to disembark here and there. Um, I think that a strike will not solve the problem. It may even deteriorate the problem. Um, I'm obviously not in touch uh, directly with the ITF. I know some, uh, some of our people are uh, in Euronav and we don't see how that would change uh, suddenly um, the uh, the attitude of politicians because we, you're not dealing with one government on which you want to put pressure. You're dealing with a number of governments, a number of organizations, a number of, um, I would say, um, multinational organizations such as the UN or the IMO. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are trying their best, but it is so complex that unless you give this key worker status, um, it's, it's going to take time to... Uh, um, well, to find a solution, to find a global solution or to return to what we, we would call the normality. Mm. So um, the strike is, is not something that I, that I believe. I think that we, people need to pay attention. People need to be aware that uh, this uh, situation is worsening, that it is a humanitarian uh, crisis, as you, uh, as you put it. Um, and that will make uh, the politician uh, move because then people will realize uh, that you have uh, 4 million people, which is uh, the amount of uh, uh, people working in this uh, industry, uh, that are being, uh, well, the victims and, and, and for half of them, at least the hostage uh, of, uh, of the situation. Indeed, indeed. And I'm not suggesting you are going to have a solution, but uh, you, you point to a, a large series of problems rather than a singular problem. But it's hard to know how the industry could react in a better way than it already has done. This is probably one of the few uh, times where I have genuinely seen cross uh, industry unity on, on, mm -hmm. a, on a topic. You've had uh, genuine collaboration from unions, from industry representatives, from ship owners, ship managers. Uh, you've had the various international agencies and supranational bodies uh, all singing from the same hymn sheet. You've had a, a really robust set of 12-point plans and protocols being presented to governments, oven-baked, ready to go. They don't even need to put the effort in. And yet, we're still here. Uh, not even divine intervention this week is, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, making people sit up and pay attention. I mean, what more can you do? 
Well, I think that not everything is negative. So uh, you have places which have opened. Um, I mean, Singapore and Hong Kong under some restrictions uh, have opened and those are, are very uh, important hubs. Uh, so the situation is improving. It's not improving fast enough. And that's why we continue to uh, hit the nail uh, uh, with a, a very big hammer. And I think that the hammer is that we've been talking about the issue a lot, a lot, but in our industry. And it's only recently that it's a, that it has uh, hit uh, sort of the mainstream uh, press, and that the people who are not in this this industry are aware of it. And and so when you call divine intervention, I mean, to, you know, to to get the Pope talking about it, uh, I think it's uh, it's some sort of miracle, because it means well, that I, I, finally I'm not saying that the Pope listens to the Moseley's <laughs> podcast, but uh, no, you know. no, but but finally, finally, people are starting to be aware of it, and that's the best way to attract the attention of the politicians because they have a list of priority. I mean, let's not forget that we are in a crisis and the crisis is hitting absolutely everyone. So it's really to get that item as high as possible on their priority list. And the best way to do that is to uh, uh, create an awareness of everybody outside the industry to know what is happening and to start pushing and lobbying and putting pressure on the people they vote for. Wonderful. Well, let's hope some more people hear your message this week. But uh, for now, Hugo de Stoop, Chief Executive of Euronav, thank you very much for joining the Lloyd's List podcast. Thank you very much, Richard.